The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 7. The year of the Lord's favour. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities and have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord, and you will be named ministers of God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Amen. I can see I'm very well looked after, aren't I? Our second reading is Acts 28, verses 11 to 16. Paul's arrival at Rome. After three months, we put out to sea in the ship that had wintered on the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived in Regium. The next day the south wind came up, and on the following day we reached Putoli. There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard we were coming, and they had travelled as far as the Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live there by himself with a soldier to guard him. Thank you very much. Pardon? What? Yes. So it's good to be here. I, uh, I bring greetings from our little chapel in the fields. Uh, I have brought some uh, flyers if you're very interested to come to a quiet day or anything that we're doing in Dunham Massey, uh, you're more than welcome. Uh, I could spend ages talking about that, maybe a hint of some things uh, in what I want to say. But uh, I want us to think about belonging and hospitality. I want us to think about uh, the kingdom of God. 
and I want to show you some pictures, and I want you to be observant. There's four pictures, and just say what you see, and then I'll repeat them again. Is that okay? Say what you see. First thing comes to mind. T. Have you seen a church in action like that? Yeah. Are you a church that looks like that some days, maybe in an hour or so's time? Yeah. Um, standing behind with a brew and offering, uh, I think they're hot cross buns, actually. I don't know whether this has got a thing there. I think that's hot cross buns. Okay. What do you see? Say what you see. F hang on. Fellowship. Oh. Chatting. Fellowship is chatting. No. Oh, yes, I know. Hey, are you two friends? Fellowship and chatting, chatting and fellowship. Okay, yeah, well, all of that. Yeah, there's no wrong answer. Uh, do you see Methodist cups and saucers? Or do other churches in different traditions have cups and saucers like Methodists? Um, what, what do you see there? Is there anything different to the others? Party, celebration, balloons, golden balloons. This actually, somewhere in this picture, is me. Uh, and that is the 50th anniversary of Altrue Methodist Church back in September. So that's a church having fun together. Uh, not everybody looks like they're having fun. <laughs> that's because they're Methodists. <laughs> and what do you see there? What see? You see, yes, please. An outside brew. Can you see a crematorium? Can you imagine a free hot drink being offered on Christmas Day at a crematorium? Shall we go through them again? Hospitality, giving something. Hang on, what's that? Cakes. Oh, catering. Sorry, my hearing. I thought it. Yeah. Uh, not sure. I think she might be a Methodist, but just had a bad morning. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Just the way they caught the picture. Okay. Let me tell you one thing that nobody has noticed. <laughs> Tables. Now, I'm a woodworker by my sort of profession now a Methodist minister, um, and in the chapel we're doing some woodwork stuff. Um, but I have a thing about go-pack folding tables. This is a tangent from a, a mainstream sermon, just for a couple of minutes. I have had a look around your church this morning, and I've met a lady who's just taken the children out, and she was folding out a go-pack folding table. She tells me that she had an injury caused by one of those blessed go-pack folding tables. So as a woodworker, I don't like them. But every church and all those photographs, when you do hospitality and food in any kind of church setting, well, mostly anyway, you have these blessed <laughs> tables. So the reason I don't like them is the reason you like them. Uh, you like them because they're easy, lightweight, fold away, and we can do something else with the space. Um, as a woodworker, I prefer solid, stable, strong and stable. Don't go there. Don't go there. Um, 
I just think this speaks of, you're going to be here for a while and we're going to feast. Whereas go-pack tables just feel of temporary. So I know we need them. I know the church can't do its mission because of all those photographs without. Even when we went to the crematorium, we took a go-pack folding table. However, if and when, maybe when I get to heaven, a bit more assurance than if, if I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, and the go-pack folding table's there, <laughs> me and whoever's in charge of <laughs> property, I'm just going to have a little chat. And maybe I'll start a men in heaven shed. Um, because I have this vision, and maybe you do as well, and we often say it, certainly in my tradition, when we've had communion, it's given as a foretaste of a heavenly banquet prepared for all people. Now, I don't think we'll be doing that on temporary tables. And let's just think now, metaphor, table as a metaphor, rather than get all hooked up on this. Maybe that'd be more helpful to you. I imagine there's a place for everybody in the kingdom that's yet to come around this banqueting table. And if you, ref if you forget everything else I say this morning, just hold that image that maybe there is a place around the, the table, the metaphor of a table. And many things can happen around a table. So we love to eat. Um, and a table is a great place both to showcase your skills um, of microwave technology uh, warming up something, or creating a fabulous banquet. Either way, it's a great place to share time. And it's basic human stuff, I think, to spend time around a table. I can recall, and maybe you can now, special meals in special places, maybe with special people, or just by virtue of a set of circumstances, it became special. They weren't special people. It wasn't really a special occasion, but the venue was. Maybe it was just a barbecue, but suddenly the conversation around that suddenly became very profound. So it's got me thinking, in my world that I now live in and minister in, which isn't day-to-day -day running of a church in terms of church ministry, it's running this project called the Chapel in the Fields, and I don't really have a Sunday responsibility, if you think you know what that means. I don't chair business meetings anymore. How sad do I look? Um, I run a project, and what we're trying to do, and in the last sort of 12, 18 months, I've been in my journey thinking, what does it feel like, and what would it be like to live in the kingdom of God, rather than live in this hamster wheel called keeping the church going? Because I think there's a difference. And who was it that spent more time telling parables about kingdom than he ever did about church? Jesus didn't talk a lot about church. He talked a lot about this kingdom, which is a sort of the rule and reign of God, which you can experience in some ways now. But when we get to this feasting around a banqueting table, you'll, you'll understand it fully. So some of the stories about the kingdom are about seeds being scattered. Some of the stories are about um, workers in a vineyard, and there's a sort of disparity between who got paid what, so there's something about generosity and fairness. Some of the stories about the little and the least being in a place of prominence rather than the strong and the powerful. And all these stories about the kingdom seem to turn everything on its head. And especially in the world that we live now, a Trump world, where one or two people want to have lots of power. So the kingdom of God seems to turn everything on its head. 
And one of the metaphors for that kingdom is that one day we will feast in this kingdom yet to come. So I've been thinking about the kingdom. And if the table, and as a woodworker, you know, tables are really important. I love making tables. I've made loads of tables. I'm looking at this table and having all sorts of thoughts about it. Um, There are many stories, not just parables, where Jesus is at a table. First miracle recorded in John was a wedding. I guess there was a table. Um, Zacchaeus come down from the tree. What happened around the table? We don't really know, but when he came out again, Zacchaeus professed to himself as having been changed by the encounter, probably around a table. Emmaus Road at the end of the um, Luke's Gospel, you know, after the resurrection, there's this journey, and then won't you stay? And when they broke bread, when he broke bread, did that happen around a table? Um, the Last Supper, probably not a table like this, but certainly feasting. All seemed to be there, Judas included, around this table. Uh, powerful, emotional, spiritually mysterious things happen as Jesus shared that Last Supper. So this table seems to feature um, in a lot of what's going on in the ministry of Jesus. He went to this, you know, the home of outcasts and sinners. Um, you know, perfume was poured on his feet in, in the context of a home, feasting and eating around a table. So I would suggest that the kingdom of God, um, when you gather around a table, and in my understanding of the kingdom, there is room for everybody, that would create the sense of belonging. Now, wouldn't it be great if we all felt that we belonged in this kingdom? And isn't that a challenge to the church today? How do we create that sense that those doors are open? Not literally, but all are welcome. And all can find themselves to belong. What I find is sometimes the church I represent and maybe the ministry I've exercised has actually sometimes put boundaries up and barriers up. Not deliberately, but just by the language we speak and our actions and our rituals and our patterns that actually we've created this sense that you're in, but others aren't. And that sense of belonging is not really kingdom, really. So my challenge might be today, how do you as a church, how do I in my ministry and your ministry uh, create that sense of belonging? And all are welcome to feast around the table. (coughs) My, uh, again, Methodist background and John Wesley's particular, if you know John Wesley, he was our founder. He's dead now. Uh, He died a long time ago. Um, But he said, all are welcome at this particular table. So if this represents bread and wine, I can see the image here on the table. If this represents For me, a very important aspect of our Christian worship, John Wesley said, there are no hoops to you coming to this table, for in coming and taking bread and wine, it might actually be the thing that converts you. So there are some traditions that say, no, you can't come to this table yet because you've not done a class. You've not met the minister yet. You've not done three sessions. Um... I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying from my experience that can actually 
uh, be a hoop we shouldn't be putting up. So to back that up, I might have said before when I've been here, for a little while in the past, um, my first appointment, I was a prison chaplain uh, at Wymott, so it's not very far from here. Um, and I worked in a team of chaplains, a very, um, a very high Anglican, uh, high up the candle is the word I use, uh, very, you know, um, all this stuff and lots of frocks and smocks and vestments. Uh, a very low church Catholic and then Marks and Spencer's Methodist. Um, and it, I was new to ministry. I was a, I was a young minister in experience and, and everything, and certainly inexperienced in prison ministry. But I hung on to this thing that John Wesley said, all are welcome to this table. The sex offender, the murderer, the average burglar. And thinking that through theologically, are they all welcome to this table? Yes, they are. And they can find that sense of belonging by coming and in the mystery of receiving bread and wine. And it was one of my greatest privileges when a man in that context put his hand out and you could say, if you could remember his name, uh, Bill, the body of Christ broken for you. And to see a journey that begins when something mysterious is put in the hand of someone who actually can't understand it anyway, but senses that now... I could belong. That God in his mercy who died on a cross could actually say through the ministry of some random person, you are welcome at this table. And that's quite powerful, I think, isn't it? And I just wonder whether we, in our thinking, uh, think of a table and think, who, who else can we invite to this table? Um, Last week, a week or so, uh, Thursday and Friday, the week before last, I was at a conference in Birmingham called New Parish. And over two days, we heard umpteen stories from North America, UK, Portugal. And many of the stories uh, were about people trying to break out of the, the tradition of the church to take God's love to the neighborhood. And the, and the name of the, the strapline of the conference was, Love Your Neighbor, Love Your Neighborhood. And many of those people that were doing something to express the kingdom of God, many of those people, what they were doing was food related. And just inviting people in a community not to come to this place, but to just do some food and some eating and begin a conversation. And the project in Portugal, 300 people were now gathering in different places in this poor neighborhood of Lisbon. And it was all this idea of just meeting and eating and then finding God and finding how, how can we now meet your spiritual needs? And it began with food. Um, only on Thursday night I had a group come to the chapel from a Methodist church in Sale in Manchester. And they've been reflecting. Fourteen of them came. We sat in a circle in the middle of the chapel, lovely little chapel. And they were just trying to discern where God might be leading them in terms of what might be their mission in the next year, two years, three years. And so I just facilitated and asked some awkward questions because I was removed from them. They wouldn't be offended. Well, they could be offended, but <laughs> they didn't need to show it. Um, and so one of them says, and, uh, but, we, but we do lunch club as if being a little bit defensive. You know, we are, we are doing some good for the community. And, and so I had to be gracious and I said, that's great. Um, so my challenging question to the lady 
was, do you see that as a ministry? Or do you just see that as a thing on a rotor that means that I'm on Lunch Club this Tuesday? And then you think, I've got to peel 85 potatoes. I'm going to be stood on my feet all day. And then you go home. I can tick a box to say, I am reaching out to the community. But my question was, do you really see it as a ministry? And do you really engage with the people who receive that food? And do you really know their needs? Or is it just simply, not simply, but just putting a hot plate of food in front of them, which is valid, but could it be more than that? So my question to you is, what are we doing that's kingdom-related, that creates this sense of belonging? And if the metaphor of a table is useful to you, how can you invite people to the table? And the second part of kingdom is, and there's a big thing around hospitality. So how can we be welcoming? You know, how can we, you know, what is the word to say to the stranger? How might we start something that creates this sense that we can welcome people in? So the odd passage from Acts, at the end of Acts, which we heard, um, might seem really odd because we haven't read any parables about the kingdom. We've gone from Isaiah to, to, to Acts. Um, Paul is on his journey, and we know that he ends up in Rome. And on that journey, it says in verse 14 of the passage from 28, chapter 28, there we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them. That, that's all I wanted to say. We found some people who offered their space, their time, and actually it was a whole week, and invited them in. Um, the brothers heard that we were coming, and then Paul, it says, then we thank God for them, we were encouraged by them, and we went on our journey. So it just may be that as a church, we see people come through these doors, we may find that their needs are met, and then we might find and might feel disappointed that, that they've gone again, and we don't see them ever again. It might just be that we did offer them a welcome and a sense of hospitality. And for a season, that's all that they needed. And so sometimes in my ministry um, over the years, I can think of many people who came through and we got very excited. And we almost threatened them with a rotor. Could we get them on the list? And then they disappeared again. And maybe their needs were met in completely different ways than we understood. So hospitality, I think, is a challenge to us as well. How can we, looking at the life of Jesus, offer that ministry both of, of welcome and getting to know not just their needs but their names and encouraging them and building relationships? I don't have easy answers, but I just think the table and that metaphor might be really useful as something to think through. Um, how might you take this forward? How might you as a church be thinking about the kingdom of God? Um, and all around there are signs of the kingdom. So I just refer to the drinks at the crematorium just very quickly. Um, we, we believed last Christmas that taking hot drinks to the creme was something that God had wanted us to do. And it was my wife and I, Jane, who's here today. And so in the name of the project, we went to the very nearby crematorium, which is only 500 yards across the fields. 
we just gave away free drinks for the whole of Christmas Day morning. So much so that we then went back on Mother's Day for five hours, and then we went back again on Father's Day for five hours and gave even more drinks out. People um, couldn't understand that it was free, so they were patting their pockets. And we tried to say, no, it's just free. Have you got a donation box? No, it's just free. Um, have you got a leaflet? No. Where are you from? Okay. We're from the chapel round the corner. Why are you here? Because we want to be. When we've done that three times, we found some people who who have been there on each of those occasions. So we have a, a relationship now. I don't know where it will lead to, but I can tell you that the biggest impact of all of that has been on the crematorium manager who has been to our two poetry evenings, who as a result of all of that invited me to lead a service at the crematorium chapel two weeks ago in the season of All Souls, All Saints, where you remember a loved one. And 45 people, he set it all up, 45 people came and I led the service. All of that began with this idea of taking the table out in the community with no big questions asked or no big come-to-Jesus stuff offered. Jesus was in the midst of it. So I just leave that with you as a child, not to draw attention or glory to us, but how, how can we as a people of God live the kingdom life? And what does it mean to give, sometimes without counting the cost? I just leave that with you as a challenge today. Amen.